What is up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we are coming at you each and every week with a fresh service to debrief in effort to send biblical truth. What better way to do that than the power of conversation? I'm Mark Francis in the host seat today. And once again, joining us in the host seat, Miss Alicia Battaglia. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, it's Thanksgiving hey. week. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy yeah. Thanksgiving. We have a lot yeah. to be thankful for. We sure do. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you guys do that as a tradition, as a family? Do you go around the table and talk about things to be thankful for? Mm-hmm. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some years I've been creative and like we've had actual intentional things, but um, most years it's just fluid conversation yeah which is great and you have a big family I you, have you a hosting big... everyone actually this year the married kids are going to the in-laws house mm. and then the rest of us are going to uh, my sister's house for thanksgiving oh. so it'll be fun you're Good. flying all over yes all over. but everybody will be together at our house awesome. for christmas Cool. So, yeah and you've briefly heard him mark carey how are you good very good once again in the pulpit this week and yeah. um yeah, it's a long passage, but I, <laughs> at the end of the sermon, I don't know if you said this in every sermon, but what we heard in Fellowship 3, for those of you online, we are now dubbed the Frozen Chosen <laughs> here at Fellowship Bible Church. Is that, that's a new one. I, I've been meaning to take notes on all the fun kind of one-off phrases that you have out there. That's a new one for us. I don't yeah. think that really um, <laughs> well, identifies the F3 community. I think... Well, I don't know. They're the dungeon dwellers the dungeon who are the frozen children. So. so, I mean, it's it's a double curse. It's a double curse. <laughs> yes. Well, that got people's attention. So, yes, I appreciate the, the call to be joyful and to praise God at the end of the sermon. But yeah. we don't want to jump to the end already. But let's unpack the the week alicia i'll come to you first and then mark things that you might have left on the chopping room floor so alicia fire away so the healing hope we've got this miraculous healing of the beggar and um what's really cool is in my chronological reading i was in acts 13 last week and then this i heard the sermon and and i kind of brought these thoughts together and in Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas, and we'll get there in however mm-hmm. many weeks, uh, but they're in Antioch of Pisidia, and Paul, he's giving this um, message of encouragement to the people, and he's recounting Israel's history, and he's talking about the coming of Jesus as the fulfillment of God's promises. And I loved um, this verse in 1348 that says, and when the Gentiles heard this, okay, so remember, this is the Gentiles hearing this. They began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And I thought that that just jumped out at me, that as were appointed eternal life believed. And I thought, okay, here we have for this story for this weekend in Acts 3, this, this beggar, and he's been lame, he is living in this hopeless situation, and for you know he's lame from birth so he's like 40 years old so for however many years he's been begging at this temple gate and um people pass by him on a daily basis and i think i think it was you pastor mark that a few weeks ago said maybe even jesus walked by him and um and so this was the appointed day for him. This and and it just spoke to me God's sovereignty and that this 
he was going to use God was going to use this spectacular miraculous event not only to heal this man but point to this resurrection power of okay that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead can raise this man to walk and that what hope that that is but then he also Peter takes this opportunity of the spectacular miracle to preach the gospel to the people like he just he just goes straight at it and he's like you're ignorant but you can repent you can you can change your thinking and seek god he's he's here to bless you he's here to restore you just like he did for this man and i just thought that that was such a neat picture of this this appointed day mm. for that man and for those people to hear that message to bring god glory exactly yeah. it all pointed to who jesus is and what he's done yeah makes you realize or think that boy things don't happen by accident do they no <laughs> we have a sovereign providential god and wow <laughs> it's just it's really encouraging um to see god working in that way yeah yeah it's like what paul said in galatians 4 when he said um in the fullness of time mm -hmm. god sent forth his son i mean mm -hmm. this is all the timing of christ's coming the time of the events of the of the nation of israel of the jewish people of of all these different things but that's no that's macro but even these little micro things of this guy's life at that time what what, what would have happened if his friends or family members had not carried him that day to the temple mm -hmm. or or you know if, if peter and and john had gone through another gate right you know all of this is is was planned by the sovereign hand of god to accomplish his purposes so that he'd get the glory right and um and of course this lame man is on the receiving end of an incredible blessing because yeah. of it and the all for bringing God glory, but pointing people to who Christ is to bring them to faith, to bring them mm -hmm. salvation. I mean, there's this amazing number of people. Again, the first sermon that Peter gave, 3,000 plus. This mm -hmm. sermon, 5,000 plus mm -hmm. that are coming to faith and, and, and their eyes are open. Mm -hmm. You know, there is something to the power of the Spirit here in that day and time that is just, just sweeping through the town of Jerusalem and you know people and, are hearing about it and stories are being shared about who yeah, Jesus is exactly and and the generosity of God so if we think about the man he he was there seeking alms you know just some provision for the day however he was going to use that probably just to feed himself or whatever but here God gives the man so much more than what he was seeking he he gets healed and then this is this public display of okay that the healing is great but but look who's greater look who is the source and this this is why the healing happened it's because of faith in jesus one of the things that um to me stands out is that yes there's a very similar sermon that peter gives but there were a few distinctions mm -hmm. that are, are are unique and so it's maybe the, a little bit about the audience but also where Peter is going, I really appreciated the names of Christ that Peter mm -hmm. dropped in, in that, or using the Holy Spirit to in, empower him to speak him. But to that specific crowd, in that specific time and place, there were, you listed out six, I think, names 
that uh, that Peter was using for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that was so important to that specific sermon? Well, again, I think Peter he knows his audience, the Jewish people. He know. I mean, he for forty days after the resurrection, Jesus has been teaching them what was teaching them for forty days about the coming kingdom. So much so that he said in verse 6 of chapter 1, is that now you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel. I mean, that was just ever-present on their mind. But the, the key for that to ha- happen, which everyone had longed for, I mean, why wouldn't you? We, the world we live in, why, don't, you know, why wouldn't we long for the coming of the Lord? And if it meant the, the uh, conversion of the Jewish people, that they would repent and return to their Jehovah God, the covenantal God, um, if that was the key that would bring about the, the setting up of the kingdom, man, you know, you'd want to be out there and you want to be, and so in this sermon, like his previous sermon, but like in this one, he anchors, by using those different titles of Jesus, especially like the servant, <clears throat> your sermon, he mentions that twice, mm-hmm. or the holy and righteous one, and the prophet Moses, the prophet like me, he anchors it to the Old Testament. Peter is constantly validating hmm. that the scriptures, the scriptures, and yeah. validating the the past. You know what had happened the past months, um, six weeks before, right? Of the death and resurrection mm-hmm. of Christ, he's making that connection through the titles, laying out these quotes of the Old Testament to make that connection to validate and convince the people. <clears throat> you blew it. Mm-hmm. You crucified the author of life, the prince of life. And um, so all those titles and things are w- would have been clearly understood by the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. All Peter's doing is connecting the dots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's connecting the dots. There's a, I don't know, you've probably heard the saying, indict and invite, you know, and that's exactly what he's, <laughs> that's what he did in his last sermon. That's what he's doing in this sermon. It's like a clear indictment of, okay, this is what you've done, and this is what you're invited into, mm-hmm. which is like... Of course, the opposite of indict and invite is turn or burn. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It's not off the top of your head. That's really good. So, so I have a question. We In our small group last <clears throat> night, we had some some really lively discussion, which is so good. But um, it was based on what you had, you said a couple of times that the, that the Jewish leaders knew exactly who they put to death. But in this instance, they were ignorant of the consequences, which we're talking about um, verse 17. And now brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your rulers. Okay. That's what Peter is telling them. But someone brought up actually more than one person had the question of, well, did the did the Jewish rulers actually know that they were putting the Messiah to death? Because if they're so, there there could be diff- multiple things. Were they really truly ignorant? Did they know? Because you had mentioned they checked the boxes off. Or if they are so knowledgeable because their job is to study the scriptures, did they know that they were the ones who were supposed to crucify the Messiah? I mean, you, That's getting deep there. Yeah, we were just yeah. <laughs> talking about all the different options. Yeah. How far yeah. did their ignorance go? How far did their knowledge go? Exactly. Their, their right. knowledge and yes. disobedience or knowledge and just yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So well, can you talk about that? Lack of belief. Yeah. I, the, um, Jesus had made reference, like in John 8, and, uh, different places that he viewed the religious leaders of the day 
as children of Satan. You are of the, your father, the devil. No, we're a father, our father Abraham. No, you're not. You're of the devil. So Jesus already has them pegged. They are lock, stock, and barrel in the hip pocket of, of Satan, who is out to destroy, um, to end this, this salvation program before it even gets mm-hmm. off the ground. But, but in direct answer to the question, how ignorant were they, or did they know who, what they were doing? I maintain they did, and what we didn't have time, it wasn't the <clears throat> message or the point of the sermon, but Mark chapter 12 uh, gives a really um, convincing parable about the vine growers. And so in Mark chapter 12, Jesus speaks this parable, uh, verse 1, about a man who planted a vineyard and put a, ra- a wall around it and dug a vat under the wine press and built a tower, run it out to vine growers and went on, on a journey. A vineyard is, in the Old Testament, is always a picture of the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. So these are the vine growers. These are the, the leaders. Mm-hmm. And in verse 2 says, At the harvest time he sent a slave to the vine growers in order to receive some of the produce of the vineyard from the vine growers. And what did they do? Verse 2, they took him, they beat him, they sent him away empty-handed. He sent another slave, verse 4, and they wounded him in the head and treated him shamefully. Verse 5, he sent another, and uh, that one they killed. And so with many others, beating some and killing others. He had one more to send, a beloved son. He sent him last of all to them, saying, They will respect my son. But those vine growers said to one another, and this is the key, they said, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. They took him, killed him, and threw him out in the vineyard. And uh, Jesus says, you know, what will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the vine growers and will give the vineyard to others. Have you not read the scripture, the stone which the builders rejected, so on and so forth? Hmm. Verse 12 says, and they were seeking to seize him, and yet they feared the people, for they understood that he spoke the parable against them. Hmm. That's the leaders. Hmm. So in the parable, these vine growers, this is the heir. Let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. Mm-hmm. They knew. So Jesus is making. They knew who he was. Yeah. Just like in this parable, so he kind of states it pretty clearly. So follow up question to that then is you also mentioned in the sermon this past week that you know the eyes have been blinded. You know Satan has blinded people's eyes mm-hmm. to to receive the gospel essentially. And so if they knew the truth, then there is some blinding or that's blocking their hearts from receiving it and believing it and part of that ignorance of spiritual so deception spiritual darkness so they i think actually the the, the issue with the messiah did did the jewish leaders the jewish people understand that the messiah was the second person of the trinity probably not Mm -hmm. they saw him as another david as a you know, as a great deliverer, as a coming um, ruler, a king. <clears throat> and I think uh, they that was part of their ignorance. I mean, Isaiah makes it clear that this servant mm-hmm. is Jehovah, is mm-hmm. Yahweh. And there's there but But even people today were misinformed, even the disciples or people were looking for him to take over. Right. The, right. And and <clears throat> overthrow Rome and be the new king. Yeah. You know, the, they so didn't so, see him as somebody who had to die to take the sins of the world. Or that it was God in the flesh. Mm. That, that's mm-hmm. what they didn't get. So when Peter in his sermon on, on the day of Pentecost, he said, let, it be, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord, uh-huh. deity, 
and the Messiah, he's merging the two concepts. This Jesus whom you crucified. It was like, oh, we never saw that coming. So <laughs> in the fact that maybe they didn't realize that he was actually the son of God. So I, I just wrote down three different passages that kind of touched on the same thing. In Luke 23, when Jesus prays when he's on the cross, um, Father, forgive them for they do not know what to do. First Corinthians 2, 8 had they known they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And then Acts 13, 27 and 28, for those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. they didn't connect the dots, all the all the dots. Mm-hmm. I think they had no idea that this was deity in the flesh, mm-hmm. and they thought if we this is the heir, this is the one who's going to be the Messiah. If we get rid of him, we've got all this to ourselves. Right. And and that that is what they that is what they understood. Now, you you see that a little bit with Nicodemus. Nicodemus was part of the the ruling class. Mm-hmm. He was. Uh, and so in John chapter three, you know, you know, you must be born again, and all this stuff. He, Jesus is drawing that right out of the Old Testament, Ezekiel, and he tells him, "Are you, you a teacher of the law, and you don't know this?" So, so there was clearly a gap, a, a blindness. There was clearly something mm-hmm. in their thinking that didn't connect all the dots. There was an ignorance there, mm-hmm. but they knew that Jesus fulfilled all these messianic prophecies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they thought, let's get rid of the Messiah, and uh, we've got this to On a positive note, it's neat to see, so when Jesus was dedicated, <clears throat> Simeon, who was a leader that, that uh, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to, he said, my eyes have seen the coming of the Lord, the Messiah. Yeah. So Joseph of Marathmathia, Nicodemus, there were there silent some, ones. There were some. And it where, says that, that there were silent yeah. believers. It was going to chapter six. We'll see that there were many priests that eventually came to faith. Um, so it's, it's neat to, uh, not neat to see, but at least you know God is opening hearts of those that uh, are, are believing and seeing. And yeah, it's 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 helping them see this is who God is. This mm-hmm. is His plan. Mm-hmm. And just like the lame man was used as an as for illustrative purposes, mm-hmm. our life can be used, mm-hmm. and we can say. As John Newton did in Amazing Grace, you know, once I was blind, but now I see. Um, And that's, I think that's what, um, that's part of what evangelism is all about, is that we we have a story. If we know Jesus, we have a story to tell. But it's not just how we came to faith, it's how that faith is being lived out in our life. And when we, it was Sheldon Van Auken, a friend of C.S. Lewis, who wrote A Severe Mercy, but he said something to the effect that... um, the greatest, uh, the greatest uh, uh, testimony against Christians, against, against Christianity, is Christians. When we are joyless, mm-hmm. when we, uh, you know, don't see life in perspective, and we we're moping about in life, and then he said, but the greatest testimony for Christianity is also Christians. Mm. When we persevere in our trials when we live a life of victory in spite of the suffering and and different things of life um i think that we our life should help connect the dots for people yeah but ultimately we tie them back to scripture this is truth this is who jesus is and when it's all said and done um it's not about 
me, and same thing with that story. It was ultimately not about the lame man. It is what is God doing? We didn't do this. This lame man didn't do it. Mm-hmm. God did it. And yeah. you need to wrestle with who he is. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, let all the house of Israel know for certain. I mean, this God who you crucified, this Jesus, God raised him from the dead. We're witnesses of that. That's where we have to go. John, when he wrote his gospel, uh, it was an evangelistic track, as we know, uh, for probably probably um, unsaved Jews. Uh, that's one of the beliefs. Um, and as he writes about these signs, all these signs, the, and he says at the end, many other signs Jesus did. But, you know, if I recorded it, books couldn't even, you know, contain right, it. Right, but yeah. these I've written that you might believe that Jesus is what? The Christ, mm-hmm. the Son of God. Yeah. He is the Lord and Messiah. Yeah. And that by believing, you have life in his name. And so that is what John was writing in the gospel is what Peter was preaching is what we need to preach. Hmm. Who is Jesus? Yeah. What do you do with him? Yeah, there's a lot of messed up stuff in Christianity and our history and, and in our lives. But there's nothing messed up about Jesus. Mm. What are you going to do with him? Mm. And when yeah, it's all said and done, that's where we have to go. Good stuff. That's a good word. But we're going to have yeah. some major opportunities for that here in the next couple of weeks with Follow the months. Star well, yeah. and months of that. But I'm thinking even the next couple yeah. of weeks as yeah. we are working really hard to put on the gospel story. Um, I, I listened to Mike Lukens give the announcement. Well, it doesn't add up to much. People don't show up. So there's something to using our body as instruments to invite people, mm-hmm. to bring people out, but to have conversations, just like we were saying. What are you going to do with the story? What are you going to do with understanding who Christ is? Like, this is what Bible says happened. So allow people to wrestle with that and have conversations. But the conversations can start by just a simple invitation. Mm-hmm. can just start by saying, hey, what are you guys doing next weekend? And uh, nothing. Well, do you want a cool Christmas traditional you know, story? And come out and have an experience and let's go to coffee afterwards, whatever. Just find ways to invite your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers to engage them in a simple invitation. It's not threatening, something fun Mm -hmm. that will lead to those conversations of really challenging, well, how do you, what do you think about this Jesus? And that's where evangelism can start is with the relationships. And And the safe thing about Follow the Star is that you know that as people go, it's well done, Mm -hmm. It's, it's an event and something that they'll walk away with really appreciating and the cookies and all that, but you know that that last scene, yeah. they're going to hear mm-hmm. who Jesus is. The gospel will be presented, yeah. Yeah. absolutely guaranteed. So yeah. we, we all have a part in that, so there's still plenty of opportunities for you to serve, obviously bring cookies and bring your donations from that standpoint, but there's still a few little spots um, to participate. But even beyond that, it's about who can you invite, so prayerfully consider who's in your circles, who's in your sphere of influence that you know that you can say, hey, come in the car with me, let's go over there, and we'll go walk on the tour and check it out. Yeah. So start thinking and praying about that. Oh, and, and go online to find where you could can serve because yeah. there is a sign-up wow. thing online. So Still opportunities just, for yeah. that. Um, and, and, yeah, so that's the first thing. But, Mark, you're starting to allude to this coming year in 2023. There's going to be a focus, a family ministry focus that's going to be called Building Bridges, just exactly what we're talking about here of this outreach opportunities around the community that we have where we don't have to – travel to a foreign country to preach the gospel. We can do it right here locally. So be on the lookout for what that's going to look like in the next year. 
Well, thanks, guys. That Thank was a you. lot of unpacking. Big, long passage to unpack. Mark, you got another one next next week? Yep. yep. Uh, Every seven days, you said. Another Every seven days. It just keeps coming at you. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fact of the matter, guys, that sermons are not meant just to take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Until next week, much love. God bless.